Welcome to the Obsession Digression, a podcast that explores all of the cultural things that obsess us. I am Sam Benarchik, and I'm Katie Walker. And Sam, you are you're in a strange mood today. I know. I, can tell. I gotta get a little high energy right now. I'm waning a bit. Yeah, I just I like called you and I was like, "What's up, Sam?" And I was super <laughs> excited to talk to you. And you're just like, "What?" Hello. You stupid bitch. What Whoa. the fuck do you want? <laughs> I mean, you didn't say that, but your your tone said Oh my it. god, I'm so sorry. No. That was not I'm my just intention. <laughs> but I I think I know what it is. Um What's that? So it's uh it's the fact that I think that you're Raskolnikov from um Crime and Punishment. Really? <laughs> what crime did I commit? <laughs> I don't know, but I was I was thinking about <laughs> all something. of all of the facts of his life, and they align kind of uncannily with yours. Okay, so um, young guy, right? In his like <laughs> okay, late one for one twenties <laughs> or thirties, early thirties, um, leaves the country for the big city. In this case, Petersburg, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely did that. Um, quit his, quits his university studies to pursue oh, that's right. a job. Um, suddenly, like like lives on his own, and so you have roommates that doesn't quite align. But like you know, like you you live in your 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 own room, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a room of my own. <laughs> yes, no roommates. Um, and. That's as far as it goes, but... <laughs> I haven't <laughs> set for myself the challenge of trying to logically tease out whether I would feel remorse for killing someone else. Well, I, see, that's the part we don't I have know, not descended right? into, like, a 600-page-long guilt-ridden fever dream. I felt yeah. so, like, betrayed by that novel because it starts out in this nice sort of swift pace, you know, and things are happening and the plot's moving along. And then it just, like, after 100 pages just stops that he can yeah. just writhe in agony in his bed for hundreds <laughs> well, of pages. That's what Dostoevsky does, right? Like, that's that's the kind of trend is that you, you have, like, all this shit that happens and then suddenly it just, like, moves into the brain. Yep. And that is the rest of the novel. But, I mean, I, I love... Raskilnikov because because like he you know like he lives a lifestyle that I I find comforting he just like lays around a lot it's very ascetic yeah people like just take care of him it's great you know what though if I'm Raskilnikov you are the protagonist from Notes from the Underground oh yeah (laughs) you're just like like, I'm done with society (laughs) like me and my books will be alone here if anyone needs me yeah just like hiding in a hole Mm -hmm. yeah no that's that is so true (laughs) I mean I think it's good I think that it would be better to be a Dostoevsky you know character than it would be like say like any like Nabokov or even like Tolstoy like Tolstoy's characters I'm just like ugh Get over yourselves. But Tulsa's characters get a happy ending so much more frequently. I know. That's why I hate them so much. I mean, so and that's, much. Some, that's really more a statement on how rarely Tulsa's <laughs> characters get happy endings. <laughs> they never do. Mm-mm. They never do. So, anyways, I think that you are um, secretly an axe murderer or okay. at right. least like some sort of tortured soul. At least that's that's what I'm going to go with today. That's, that's, that's so my interesting. theory. I always You're thought that was guy. like Alyosha from Brothers Karamazov because he's the one who just like, okay, I might cut this out because it's not terrible, terribly interesting. <laughs> this is just like <laughs> formative talk with Sam and Katie. But when I was in college and read it, I related to the fact that like, it seemed like there was so much going on around him all the time. And he was like running from person to person attending 
and witnessing to their like their problems. Yeah. But like his life just always seemed kind of boring and passive. What? <laughs> and I That's was like, not... oh, this is my life. <laughs> that is not your life at all. That is... I know, but I think when you're young and like 19, it just seems like everyone's life is more interesting and people have more things going on. And no, I don't know. I was always I was like, like so wide eyed as a kid. I was just like, man, my life is so cool. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, well, Sammy, so you're not an axe murderer. We've determined that, I but you not. are tired. Why are you tired? What's going on? Like, what's oh. what's in Sam world? Mm, nothing really. I wouldn't say there's any like root reason that I'm tired, other than that just I did not sleep enough last night. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, also, I also. I heard, you know what else it is too is that I hurt my heel doing something. And so walking has been super painful. So I've been just like sitting on my bed all day. Oh, and you know no. when you do that, like your body's like, all right, if we're not going to do this, like I'm not going to show up for you anymore. <laughs> and so like your energy just like dips so hard. How did you hurt your heel? Were I you tap no dancing? Idea. Yes, always. <laughs> Can you just imagine if I just like tap dance all the way to the subway? Like New York as a whole entity would just <laughs> invite me to leave. They would say they were like, thanks for coming and giving it a shot, but it's really time for you to go. <laughs> they, they definitely would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were also in the city for a conference. That's true. And I got to see this you and true. Ryan. It was fantastic. It was, was it though? Because I feel like it was kind of weird because. Like, <laughs> you said we, this and we, in the moment too. I know, it, it, it's, but it's so true, right? So um, I saw you in person for the first time and I mean, it had been like eight or nine months. Like yeah. I could have had a baby in between that time, and you would have not been the wiser. My sister did have a baby in between that time. Yeah. Whoa. Wait. Did she actually? Yeah. I, in New York, they were pregnant. But yeah. like, both your sisters are pregnant. But well, my younger sister's still pregnant. My older sister had her baby uh, on Thursday. Congratulations! I know. Thank That's you. Crazy. <laughs> I'll pass that along. <laughs> oh man. So well, also to you because you're now an uncle, mm-hmm. dude. Are you? Oh man! And in the I course so of uh, that baby had not been breathing its own oxygen for even twelve hours when I had crossed the threshold of getting at least ten Uncle Sam jokes. Yeah, and that's when I realized, oh, this is my life now. <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah. go back from the uncle identity. It's a, it's a thing. No, right? no, and just that, like everyone who makes an Uncle Sam joke feels very confident they're the first one to do so. <laughs> Oh man. Well, okay. I I let's let's I want to go back to our like meeting in person Yeah, let's thing. take it back. And then I want to ask you some Uncle Sam questions though <laughs> okay. because I have a lot of them. Okay, so first, yeah, it, it was just incredibly weird then to like, you know, we've established this like new mode of our relationship where we just talk um either via text or through our podcast or you know before or after our podcast, right? Yeah. And I don't know. Like, it's just like that when you get into that habit, then to suddenly like resume a former habit where I see you in person, it was super, it was strange, right? Like, do you not agree that it was kind of like. I feel like you're putting too much pressure on yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I was like, these are my friends. I'm excited to see them and just talk to them. Maybe. And you you cracked me up though because every half hour you'd be like, is this living up to like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, and also just to like compound the issue, um, because I'm at a conference and I'm also like seeing a bunch of other people that I haven't seen in a while. It was just an entire weekend. 
I mean, like four days straight of seeing people that I Ugh. either had not met before and like had to do the whole thing right. or like people I hadn't seen in a while. And I had to like I it was a lot for me to do personally because, you know, I I like to stay in my room. Oh, my God. And yeah, that's like my nightmare. And yeah. So like four days of just being like straight, like full energy, you know, kind of like talking to people, et cetera. It's well, I think a, what makes a lot. that particularly um, exhausting and kind of perilous for you is that this is also in some ways a performance. It's not in a job interview per se, but because you were on the market, <laughs> any moment of like a public performance can be right. like, yeah, weighed into um, you your never candidacy. Know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and you never know like who's in the restaurant or who's right. in the bar. I think you say restroom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or in the restaurant, you don't know, you right? You just don't know. Yeah. So No, it that was, would make me so tense. Uh, I'm like, I, when we got back on, we got back Sunday night, um, like I just, I couldn't do anything for like two days straight. I just kind of like <laughs> <laughs> laid around, which is why like I couldn't record yesterday because I was like, dude, I need a life day where I just like do laundry and oh, like, I get, that. get groceries and kind of catch up on all that shit. So, um, but yeah, it was good to see you and, and you saw Ryan too. So that was yeah. good. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, stuff. So, when stuff. we, so I met you at the hotel lobby for the conference. We went out for dinner, hung out for a few hours, and then I kind of walked you back in the general direction of <laughs> the hotel and mm-hmm. then ducked down to take the subway. So we said goodbye and we hugged. I walked down the stairs to the subway while you're waiting at the crosswalk to cross. I get down there just as they announced that the two trains going to Brooklyn aren't running. And I was like, oh, no! shoot. <laughs> So then I kind of like really awkwardly skulk up the stairs and backtrack like behind your backs. And I just thought like <laughs> if you would happen to turn around after you're like, it's so good to see you. Bye. And then like I'm sneaking back up the stairs essentially and like moving in the opposite direction. Oh if I were God. you, I would have been so sort of confused and suspicious of that. I That would have been another Raskolnikov moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Shifty. Very, very shifty. And yeah. I've told you. There is a character in Oblivion, the game, named Shady Sam, and it's just, that's <laughs> You have, on multiple occasions, asked that I attempt to be more shady. Yes. I, I want you to be more shady. I want you to sell me lockpicks behind a castle wall. Oh, my God. And I would love to be in that position. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Like, sometimes you have ammo. It's it's good. Also, you also have your own lock. You have your own lockpick set already. I do. I've yeah, seen it's true. Wait, have you learned I, how to pick locks? No. You know me. <laughs> I like I do stupid shit like that all the time. I swear to you. Earlier today, I was looking up horseback riding lessons. Oh no! Like what the? What is wrong with me? I just even like, with all I your want... judgment about like women who love horses. Yeah. Well, I yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Don't my know. favorite was when you <laughs> decided to buy off of Amazon um, pheromones. <laughs> Yes! <laughs> uh, and they were disgusting. They smelled so bad. So you just sort of sprayed them to see if there was any noticeable reaction in the population around you? Yeah, or just like with Ryan even, you know? But like and? it's hard to tell. <laughs> well, with Ryan it's hard to tell cuz like, you know, let's be let's be real. He's game 24/7. <laughs> <laughs> so like I could not tell a difference whatsoever. Okay. Oh man. Oh, um, but I so this is 
way backtracking, but um, the the story about you like hurting your heel and everything, mm-hmm. I I wanted to say that I feel you on that because three days ago I was about to start my period, and as you know, with girls they get like they get a little sensitive right before they um, start their periods. Mm-hmm. They get and totally so- psychotic when they're on the rag, right? <laughs> You know, I don't like that language, but I also oh, kind of oh no? think that it's <laughs> that it's true no. because I I kind of lose my shit right before right before I start my period. So, um, but anyways, so I had all of these like little bitty, like tiny, very minor injuries happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like first I got a paper cut, which is the worst. Then I, I stubbed my toe. Um, and then I re-stubbed my toe on the suitcase that was still on the ground. Wait, uh, wait did you stub it on the suitcase the first time? No, the first time I stubbed it on an, a box of ammo. What? Which, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that was okay. that was a gift that Ryan got for, for Christmas. Um, oh, this yeah. wasn't part of your horseback riding hobby. You were going to be shooting no. a gun from... On a horse. No, 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 no. Um, so <laughs> all like, of that now. combined. Mm-hmm. So then I, um, I'm looking for um, my what I call my Georgie, but it's just my George Foreman grill. Um, so I'm like, like I'm still kind of hurt with my toe and my finger, and I'm like, where's my Georgie? Where's my Georgie? <laughs> and I hit my elbow really hard on a drawer, <laughs> and I just burst out crying. I mean, I literally went from, where's my Georgie to like, "Ah, everything (laughs) is horrible. And I just like, I lost it. I was just like, and and once I started crying, it was one of those things where I couldn't stop, you know? Yeah. And so, like, every, I mean, every tiny thing that is wrong in life or is not even wrong but just, like, seems off just, like, suddenly bubbled to the surface. And, I mean, I just, like, I went nuts for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's like, I talked to my sister after she had the baby, and we were mid-conversation. This was like a solid like 36 hours after um, delivery. Mm-hmm. And she just started like sobbing. And she was like, just ignore it. It's hormones. Like, I'm not feeling sad right now. I just cannot handle it. <laughs> she was, I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, like, every time people talk about hormones going crazy, I thought, yeah, okay, whatever. But she's like, I'm not actually true. sad right now. I just can't stop crying. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. I've totally been there. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had a child, so, but, you know. Oh, I was like, here's where we find out. Here's where you slip up and admit. (laughs) (laughs) I've got three of them out there somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably working. Yeah. Okay, but this is good, because I want to come back now to the Uncle Sam stuff. Oh, yeah. Because, first of all, was, okay, A, was it a boy or a girl? Like, did you have a niece or a nephew? You have a nephew. That's even, okay, that's interesting right you say that's even better well no not better but just like more interesting because I was gonna say, that's some old world <laughs> yeah. values there <laughs> because your your niece won't like then get her period and start freaking out etc <laughs> etc et um no but he can because... inherit land property so. <laughs> <laughs> because you are a dude and you are now an uncle and so what you have to work through and this is like so serious is like what kind of uncle you are going to mm-hmm. be am i going to be the right? kind of uncle that like poisons his father so that i can 
attaining the, the throne. Role. Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. Um, so I mean, many I choices. think I see my role as you know, just being one to sort of shake things up a bit and uh, just provide this sort of opportunity to I have I didn't actually have an answer. I was just hoping I'd <laughs> arrive somewhere. <laughs> Sam, this is good. I'm glad that you're confused because you have to think through this I know, this I need shit. to really do some soul searching here. Like, are you the, like, fun, crazy uncle that, like, just shows up and, like, you give your nephew his first beer when he's, like, seven or is it 12? <laughs> you know, yep. like, those are important situ- Like, those are important decisions. Um, or are you more, like, the advice uncle? Are you, like, listen, I'm going to, like, tell you what it's really like out there and... Mm-hmm. In the city, I mean, I, really, <laughs> I see myself as as someone who's playing a sort of like the role of a pro- provocateur, simply because okay, before we knew the gender of the baby, I just had in my head that it was she was having a girl. I don't oh, know yeah? why. I just like I actually had thought she had already told me she was having a girl. It was just in my mind, and I was like, okay. And I found all these books on like um, like feminist books for babies and things like that. And I was like, <laughs> all right, this is going to be my role. Um, yes. Like a life hangs in the balance. <laughs> and when they had a son, I was just like, I can still take that tack, but it's just going to be a lot more difficult, right? Because yeah. it's a lot more nuanced because, well, I don't know how to say that. It's going to be a lot more like tricky to, to sort of find a way to create a sort of like leftist political awareness for this young child. When <laughs> <laughs> so this is all to say. This I don't child know who is three days old mm-hmm. <laughs> or four. Listen, there's no such thing as too soon. There, that's true. That's true. Or well, just a love want... of the arts and a love of, you know, like literature and a desire to like strive for more and to demand more out of life. Things like that. That's what yeah. I want. Yeah. Right on. No, that's that's good. Um, if you want my unsolicited advice. Of course. Um... <laughs> well, it's no longer unsolicited. I would I like know. to solicit your advice. Okay, good. That, that makes me feel a lot better. Um, and I have, you know zero experience with babies or anything like that but um there's a there's a great thriving business out there known as baby shakespeare i'm just saying there's a ton of books stuffed animals what you will ha get the pun um Uh. (laughs) yes and i'm just saying that's all out there for you to um provide with your young nephew with this is great growing love of the bard Thank you. It's all. It's all good. Yeah. Well, we're in talks. I'm going to be heading down there to visit in a couple weeks. So Cool. I'm gonna, That's uh, that'll give me some time to, to get on top of this and get some, some literary some baby, baby shit. Yeah. Baby yeah, shake shit. It. Shake shit. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So that's that's exciting, though. Like, you've had a... You've had an exciting spate of days. That's yeah, good. Yeah, for real. Um, but let me tell you about yelling at a bird. Oh. Um, okay. Mm. Sorry, I had to drink coffee oh. first. No, but okay. So again, oh man, I just realized that this story is also related to PMS. So forgive me for having like so many, you know, um, period stories this week. But um, so this also, I had a bad day and I, um, I was, I had to go someplace and do a thing and come back, and the thing did not go well, okay? Right. Um, and it just like... Say no it, more. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm being deliberately vague here, but um, it just like, it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to due to various like 
technical issues and just all sorts of crazy shit. Did you so, try out for American Idol? I did. Because this was like 10 years ago, so. Yeah. I, um, you know, I did um, the duet from um, Dirty Dancing, but <laughs> I didn't parts. have, I, I didn't have a partner. So <laughs> I just like sang one part and then remained silent for a while. <laughs> and, and just sort of just... like nodded your head to the beat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it just, it did not go over. <laughs> um, so like It was anyways. high concept. They didn't get it. That's yeah. fine. Well, actually, you were supposed to join me and be the the other person, oh but God. you did not. You we were made supposed those to sing Jennifer Grey's part when we were four years old in that same theater, <laughs> watching people <laughs> under the stairs. Yes. I totally forgot until just now. Exactly that time <laughs> we made plans, you motherfucker. <laughs> um, okay, so thing did not go well. I'm driving back. And we live kind of like out in the woods now because we live in a travel trailer and we're like, you know, just kind of we're doing our rustic thing. And anyway, so I'm driving back and there's no one around. I'm really frustrated. Like flow riders on the radio. So oh, I'm, I'm even sorry. like angrier yeah. about that. <laughs> um, and so I like get to our road and it's, you know, just like a gravel road and it's um a band like there's no one around and there's just this bird just like walking across the road like he owns that shit and <laughs> i don't know why but i just like stopped the car and i rolled down the window and i was like hey you bird <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't even like clever it wasn't like a you know, like, I didn't even, like, talk about the fact that he was a bird. I was just like, hey, you. Hey, you bird. It wasn't something witty where you're like, I hope someone heard that. <laughs> yeah, no. I was just so mad. It was just, like, life was just not in Aww. my corner at that moment. I just, like, yelled at that bird. And um, I felt better. Like, I really did. It was one of those situations where... Had I owned a punching bag and that been one of my hobbies, I would have, like, totally geared up and, like, went out and did a punching bag, you know, montage um, to like a Eye training of the Tiger. Montage? Yeah. <laughs> um, but instead I had yelling at bird montage and it was, <laughs> it was not, not one of my finer moments, Sam. I'm just going to, I'm going to. Listen, admit I cannot it fully. tell you. If there's, I hate driving, but if there's one thing I miss about having a car, it's the freedom to just yell yeah. with abandon about anything you feel like yelling about. It really is. <laughs> it could is. be pedestrians, it could be other cars, it could be just the state of your life. <laughs> it's such an interesting space because you can't yeah. even really do that in your house because no. then people will be like, what's wrong? Like neighbors or whoever is going to be like, you know, are you being murdered right there's now or something? There's nowhere else. Right. The car is like the special special space for that. I, mean, I suppose I could like request an Uber and then ask them if they're okay with me doing that. <laughs> but it still doesn't quite feel right. No. Yeah. You would D does Uber rate you two or is that like a made up thing? Mm, like I saw this on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Now. Yeah, you get rated as well. Yeah, because I always like hustle to rate them first, so I give them five stars so they'll give me a high rating too. That is crazy. That is straight out of Black Mirror. Like that is I don't know. Like, you are rated as a passenger? That's yeah. crazy. Why? If you're obnoxious, the, the you know, share ride network has a right to know. Yeah, I guess so. It's I mean, if more... they were to, like, publicly share that information with the world, I feel like that would be 
a little stranger. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, right. but I don't they don't do that. Okay, so it's just like among Uber drivers. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's Oh, I'm not code. gonna go pick up that guy because he's Yeah, like, pass. He farts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or I think like, it's like obnoxious like took a long time to come down from their apartment to get in the car like kept us waiting things like that okay i see all right oh man now i'm like rethinking all of my uber experiences and like oh what did you do oh shit well like one time i i was in boston this was like a few months ago and um i was staying at this place that was like kind of outside of the city and it was not near any food so i did get like stinky to go food (laughs) and i had it like and i was like i'm sorry i'm sorry i hope this doesn't stink up your car but i really need this food i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) i need it but like maybe that driver was just like man now my car smells like fried whatever she had you know (laughs) maybe i got like points knocked off it's possible oh man um, that was like <laughs> I'm scared now I know I really live in fear of like um, drivers giving me bad ratings because I've been very very lucky to get like really good deals I don't know how this works out but every time I choose the Uber pool and mm-hmm. I get picked up last and dropped off first and I don't know oh, how this works out in my favor all the time and I know <laughs> like I have complicated feelings about like shared the shared drive economy blah 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 I know they're all terrible companies but Sometimes you need to use them. So that's all I have to say about it. But I was leaving my friend's apartment and originally the app had said like 10 minutes to arrive. And so I wasn't really rushing to get out. And then I looked down and it was like three minutes. And I was like, oh, shoot. So I leave his apartment. I walk to the elevator. I get in the elevator. And there's just one guy already riding it down to the ground floor. He's leaning on the buttons. Like his back is to that panel. Oh, no. And... I would, you don't even think about it. Like, if someone's already on the elevator going down, you know they've hit the button. Yeah. And so when we go down, we stop on the third floor because someone else is getting on. This guy assumes the same thing. And then we keep descending. And then we all of a sudden course correct and start going back up. <gasps> no! And the third guy to get in goes, dude, you never hit the button. And I, <laughs> at this point, I look at my phone and the car's arrived. And I look at this guy and I go, dude! <laughs> Just like I yelled at a real person because of my fear of like this imaginary angry driver. Wow, that's yeah, it was amazing. Not good. <laughs> oh, that poor guy, too. I know. It's like, I thought we were going down. <laughs> or like, I thought I'd push the button. Exactly. <laughs> you won't make that mistake again. Never. JK, it's not like I put the fear of God in anyone or something. He's probably just like that asshole. <laughs> Dude. Dude. I don't know. That, that could. You, like he probably cried later, or if like he was me in the <laughs> PMS stage, he'd just be like, "Why?" <gasps> <laughs> okay, this is turning into that Thirty Rock episode where Liz Lemon has to realize that she holds feminist values but isn't actually a feminist because she's looking at all of her skits and they're all about like women falling into incompetence because of their periods. <laughs> where like Amelia Earhart crashes her plane because of her period and. <laughs> And she's like, oh, this isn't great. Oh, whoops. I, I retract all of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, I am, for one, glad to be home. Glad that things are, like, a little bit chiller. Life is a little bit more stayed now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm getting back into my pattern 
of not doing anything. So it's it's as good. The world as it should be. That's yeah. It was beautiful. I was up till like maybe like two or three last night working mm-hmm. on this like Renaissance code. So I just like <laughs> wait. What does that I, mean? My life makes sense, dude. There is. Dude, <laughs> dude. <laughs> there is. You know, remember how I ranted about cryptology a few weeks ago? Oh, I'm I was still thinking on like that. a bro code. Like you were coming up with a code of conduct for all Renaissance scholars. Oh yeah, you were going to agree to the that Renaissance would be more code. Useful. Yeah. <laughs> um, you no, always there's... save a spot in line for one another. You front seat, back seat at any time. Oh my God! Can I tell you about this one thing that like somebody broke the code at this conference I was at? I have to tell oh, you about please this. Do. So it was just like the rudest thing, where I was in a panel or I was in a you know like a seminar. People were giving papers. I was not. I was not presenting, but I was in like one of the back rows, and they one speaker went up and they had a handout, right? But they didn't have enough handouts for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I got one and I had a handout and I was like, you know, reading along, listening to this paper. And then this woman comes in late and she sits one seat over from me and she does not have a handout, right? Mm-hmm. So I put the handout in the empty chair next to me in between us and I tap her on the shoulder and point to the handout and I'm like, look, you can look at it too, right? Yeah. Um, that's so generous of me to share my handout. The second speaker goes up, and again, same situation where they don't have enough handouts. But this time, the woman gets one, and I do not. And instead of putting that handout that she has on the seat, she instead turns the other way <laughs> away Wait, like, from me. like literally turns her back to you? <laughs> like literally hoards a handout from Whoa. me. Did you, like, tap her on the shoulder? No, because I'm such a wuss. (laughs) I'm such a wuss, dude. I didn't do anything. I was just, like, sitting there in disbelief. Like, how could you, like, did she not realize that I didn't have one? Or is she deliberately, like, throwing me shade? I I have no idea. We should also clarify that academics are, like, deeply socially awkward people, by and large. This is true. Yeah. Like, you cannot expect anything (laughs) like any sort of social (laughs) norms like you cannot count on yeah no that is so true so maybe it was just like she wasn't even oh man okay so i think though we should talk if this podcast episode is standing between you and dinner let's jump over to wes craven (laughs) but here's the thing about wes craven's red eye which is the topic of today Mm -hmm. there's not that much to say yo that's the problem because there's i don't um, have things to say there's there's a plane and uh, an it's assassin. It's traveling by night. <laughs> yeah, and nonstop. Uh, <laughs> this yeah. this is the definition of a red eye. Yes, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> also, no. have you seen the? I looked up the teaser trailer for this movie when I was putting my notes together, and it mm-hmm. is so funny because it's. First of all, both trailers are so frustrating because they give the twist away. Oh no. Like, so bald baldly like they don't even like hide it or just like they're not coy about it at all but the other thing is that (laughs) at the end of the trailer there's like a scene in the movie where she says like who are you and turns to um is his name killian murphy or how do you say what his name is sealan sillian killian i don't know i actually have no idea how you say his name and so for that i apologize um rachel mcadams turns to murphy and 
in the trailer, they do this special effect where his eye, his one eye flashes red. <laughs> and so if you'd just seen the trailer, you'd be like, is he an alien? Is he a is monster? Is that the red eye? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was the plane. <laughs> oh, that's it's brilliant. It's really strange. So let me say right off the bat that that actor is one of those actors who's too good looking and he looks freaky because he's too good looking. You Wait, know what, what I mean? Yeah, you think like he has like a heartthrob factor. No, not heartthrob. It's like too symmetrical. He's like too oh, handsome. Like in a like categorical mm. like Kantian sense, he's yeah, yeah. He's interesting. like he's he's too angular and too like like and for that reason is like really really creepy to me. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he's already got the creep factor going. Like, so, and I will admit, I didn't know anything about this movie going into it. I was just like, oh, it's Red Eye. I'm going to watch it. And at first, I thought it was Red Dawn. And so I watched Red Dawn. And, then, <laughs> and I'm and sure you I, got a lot of satisfaction out of watching Red Dawn. I was confused by that movie, but that's a whole thing. It has, like, every actor you love in that movie. I know, but it's weird. It I've is, actually never seen it. The, it's They're racial not my favorite politics are, are problematic. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, but it's, so, but anyways, back to Red how Eye. How can you but not so, love its pro-American message? Oh, man. It's... So uh, pure, so uncomplicated. <laughs> we might have to do an episode on that later. We can do another season around that. <clears throat> around, yeah. Yeah, okay. 80s Americana. I don't know. Just spitballing. <laughs> 80s Patrick Stewart? Um, Swayze? Not Patrick Stewart. <laughs> what the fuck? Patrick Swayze. Oh, man. Um, oh, maybe okay. this is a sign that your Star Trek time has come. Maybe. No, it's not. No. I've got better things to do. (laughs) But before we (laughs) jump into the movie, should we just really quickly bridge this gap between Scream and Red Eye? Oh, yeah. Do you have a a gap bridging? Oh, just a little bit. Just a short oral history, because I did not write a narrative this time. So we're just going to see how it goes. All right. Spitballing. Yeah. In our last episode, we talked about Scream, which in a lot of ways, like outside of Nightmare on Elm Street, is the other high point of Wes Craven's career. It's an enormous hit, has huge sort of cultural um, implication, not implications, but it's like so popular and has this cultural Influence. impact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then a couple years later, they released Scream 2. It makes even more money, has even better critical reception. And so this momentum that Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson are building is really carrying through. From this, though, um, Kevin Williamson spins his his next career move, and that is Dawson's Creek. <laughs> yeah. Did you watch Dawson's Creek? No. I've never I, seen it. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, you would think that that would be a huge, like, genre for me right but i, I just, would think that yes <laughs> i just missed it i, I was too young and even like i remember my sister my older sister was vaguely interested in it but i don't think even she really ended up watching it i do yeah. remember the theme song though because it was everywhere yeah <laughs> um, true <laughs> but what this means is that this dawson's creek as as you and i know anyone younger than us might not know but this show takes off in such a big way um, that Kevin Williamson is not available to come back for Scream 3, nor is he really interested in making time to come back for Scream 3. Mm-hmm. Wes Craven, meanwhile, as he always is, right? This comes up every episode. He doesn't want to do horror movies anymore, and he's <laughs> sick of it. So he doesn't want to come back for Scream 3. He's tired of horror movies generally. He also feels like this franchise is getting long in the tooth and quite a bit tired. And so Miramax makes him a deal. And they say, if 
you agree to direct Scream 3, we will fund this passion project that you want to do. And so they finally, after decades of his um, him being in the film career or movie career, he gets his opportunity to direct something that is not a horror film. <laughs> it is an inspirational feel-good movie called Music of the Heart. It's in 1999, it stars Meryl Streep, and she is, it's a dramatization of the true story of Roberta um, Gaspari. She, I guess, co-founded the Opus um, 118 Harlem School of Music and sort of fought to maintain music education and music funding programs in New York City public schools. So this is based on or adapted from a short documentary that I don't remember if it was just Oscar nominated or if it won the Oscar. It's called Small Wonders. Okay. Um, and so the movie does fine, doesn't really do great at the box office. It gets kind of very mediocre reviews. Um, Meryl Streep gets nominated for an Oscar, but that's just kind of a given that anytime she's in a movie, she gets nominated. <laughs> um, but True. I, I do think that's the only nomination, Oscar nomination, that's tied to Wes Craven's career. Whoa. Right? Okay. I can't think of any others. That's sad. Yeah. Aww, Still. Poor- Poor Cravey. Yeah, Poor he gets this opportunity, he makes his movie, and then he has to kind of pay the piper, and so he makes Scream 3, and you can tell that his heart's not in it. The movie is really pretty lifeless, it's very uninspired, there aren't any directorial like flourishes at all, and it does not do well. It tanks criti- at the box office, critics hate the movie, the Scream sort of era has really ended, people aren't as excited about the movie at that point, because a number mm-hmm. of years goes by between the second one and third one, more than right. between the, I think the first and the sequel are just a year or so apart, but the right. second and third are like three or four years. Yeah, and Nev Campbell's like, you know, not significantly aged, because she's a beautiful woman, but... Oh my god, um, if you see her now, she still looks the same. I know, but like, you know, between the second movie and the third movie, she's clearly, like, you know, no longer, like, the teen heroine. She's the, you know, like, mid-20s heroine now. Yeah. I don't know. Well, there the, is a difference. <laughs> that's the other thing, too, is, like, it is, there's something undeniably, like, fun and exciting about seeing, um, like, a plucky young teen, like, figure out how to outsmart the world and, like, really come into her own, you know, mm-hmm. and defend herself. But it is another to get to a third movie where you're like, this is a battered woman who, like, cannot yes. get reprieved from murder. And, and actually, like, in the third and fourth movies, she's just kind of like, ugh, like, again. <laughs> you know, like, she really... <laughs> she's like, what the fuck? Come on now. Um, exactly. So I, I totally get it, yeah. Everyone's exhausted at that point, I guess, yeah. Yeah, so what this means is that we have lackluster music of the heart. We have uh, really lackluster Scream 3. After that, <laughs> we get Cursed. Cursed comes out in 2005, the same year as Red Eye. It started filming three years earlier. Damn. Yeah. So basically the story is, the story goes, that Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson are ready to team up again and make another great teen horror film. And so they create this uh, werewolf movie called Cursed. They um, finalize a working script. They start filming. (laughs) They film 90% of the movie. They've gotten approval. And then I guess Miramax decides that it's actually not good. So they then shelve it, they pause. In post-production, they decide they need to reshoot basically like most of the movie. Shit. Most of the actors aren't available. 
So that means they have to cut characters, they have to recast, and then film the entirety of some actors' parts. They change the plot. They change. The, they go from three principal characters who are all friends to like two characters who then become estranged siblings. Um, they <laughs> oh don't have gosh. the budget to like properly finalize the special effects, and so like the werewolf transformations look awful, and it becomes a huge bomb. It's one of the worst movies um, tied to both um, both figures, both to Wes Craven and to Kevin Williamson. So I have a couple of quotes about this movie. This is from IMDb. So mm -hmm. um, in 2014, someone asked Judy Greer about it. She's in the movie, <laughs> and she says. I don't know why that movie got so fucked up. <laughs> she goes, I don't understand it. I thought the script was fine. Honest to God, I didn't get the big deal. I don't know who kept making them fuck with it. Then we shot the movie for like seven years. I think they said we had four movies worth of footage. It was so fun, but so weird. I don't get it. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> then, okay. <laughs> 2008, so this is a few years after the movie's release, Wes Craven was quoted as saying, um, the cursed experience was so screwed up. I mean, that went on for two and a half years of my life for a film that wasn't anything close to what it should have been. And another film that I was about to shoot, having the plug pulled, Pulse, so it was like, I did learn from the cursed experience not to do something for money. They said, we know you want to do another film, we'll pay you double, and we were 10 days from shooting, and I said, fine. But I ended up working two and a half years for double my fee but I could have done two and a half movies and done movies that were out there making money. <laughs> he said, in general, I think it's not worth it. And part of the reason my phone hasn't rung since is that that oh. story is pretty well known. Oh no, yeah. poor guy. <laughs> oh so, man. It's just like fighting against the Hollywood machine, you know? Yeah. Like, the, like as we've gone through this podcast, I've learned so much about how the the quote unquote system of Hollywood really does batter down, um, you know, actors and authors and you know creative types mm -hmm. in different ways, right? And this is just another instance of the ways in which you know Hollywood is like, no, we're gonna like the bureaucratic people or whatever, we're gonna shelve this project and it's never gonna see the light of day, et cetera. Yeah so sad it is because it's always like you can't help but see like bad movies through this like um sort of screen of what they could have been yeah yeah but oh. this is all to say that at this point he needs a hit he needs something you know to like prove that he's still talented or can still produce good work mm -hmm. um and on the other hand it also explains why he's attached to a movie that is so kind of minor you know, when you read um, reviews of Red Eye, which are generally positive, it has like an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. But everyone what? talks about the, this movie being like lean and economical, right? And in some ways that sounds euphemistic to being like, this is more of a technical exercise than a really fully fleshed out film. And yeah. Well, it... I don't know. Like, I... I the, love a laugh. <laughs> I, so, I'm just responding to the positive reviews because I did not like this movie, Sam. But you really? know why I didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about um, it. Okay, so... Let's, well, let's let's lay out just the premise, right? I mean, it's very obvious, but um, hotel manager gets on a flight. She's sitting next to this handsome dude. It's a red-eye flight. Um, and she, like, there are some powerful people, including a politician, who stay at her hotel. And so she has, you know, the clout to um, book rooms, etc. And she's on this flight, and the guy next to her, an assassin, says, like, I need you to move this politician to another room so that we can assassinate him. And, and you, so she has to 
Wait, what? And then if they don't do it, if she doesn't do it... They'll kill her dad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, that's pretty much it, right? That's the whole setup, right? So, um... 90% of the movie, maybe 99% of the movie, takes place on a plane. Right? Amid significant turbulence. <laughs> yes! And this is what I can't handle, is that, you, you know, I, I, I can fly, but I don't enjoy it. Um, well, you I and I both any- have really tremendous plane anxiety. Yeah, we do. Like, I can't do any work on a plane. I just, like, sit there miserable and, like, wringing my hands the entire I, time. Same. I, every time I get onto a plane, I'm like... That's it. I'm today. Yeah. I'm gonna die. Like yeah. this is it. I know it's it's the worst. And so, anyways, this this flight, ah, it like there's turbulence, not once, not twice, but I think there's turbulence at least three, if not four, fucking times in this movie. <laughs> so it's and it's like bad turbulence too, to where like um, one of the flight attendants at one point is like trying to ask somebody if they want a drink, and like she's scared. Yeah. You know, and that's not cool. Like that is not cool with my <laughs> Guys, psyche that's not at cool. all. Um, to have flight attendants pretend to be, and th- so, and that's another thing that <laughs> I just love the, the ethics of plane representation in film. <laughs> You're yes! Like this is morally wrong, <laughs> right? Because like I, um, I don't know. Like one story that my cousin told me one time really like helped me psychologically because she said that she was on a plane that was so bad with turbulence that people were crying and praying etc but that she looked back and the flight attendants were like joking and laughing and they were just like totally fine you know and i was like that is it that is how a flight attendant should behave you know Mm -hmm. like even if they do any flight attendant worth their salt yes um that's the phrase right yeah it is Everything is cool. We are so chill. Well, so my first job out of college, I was working in this small um, company. It's an educational consulting company. And the president and vice president were a husband and wife. And they were traveling together. And they came back from their trip. And I was like, how was the trip? Blah, blah, blah. And they said that they (laughs) they were in their seats. And very discreetly, a flight attendant came up to them and said, we are having some technical issues. And we may have to try to emergency land the plane and you are sitting in the emergency exit. Ah. Do you guys feel up to the test? Do you understand your responsibility in this moment or do we need to move you? Oh, shit. I know. I would have lost my mind. I know. I might have just like, my soul may have just left my body in that moment. Yes. I'm like, I can't deal with this. But you know what? I would have... I would have lied and said yes because I would have been First closest one out. to the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. Like, I'm well. always like, every time I get on, I'm like, count the number of seats between me and the exit because they say like, if it goes down, there's going to be smoke. Everyone's in the aisle. You're better off like crawling over the seats. So know in your mind how many yeah. seats you have to go. Yeah. No, that's real. Yeah. Real. Um, and this movie <laughs> was too real, apparently. One time I was on a flight. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This is... Um, slightly a digression but I was on this flight and I was really scared I was by myself I was going to a conference and this very lovely elderly British gentleman was sitting next to me mm-hmm. and he was trying to do the thing that the guy in the movie does where he distracts her as they're taking off and he's like you know you're more likely to die from a coconut than you are <laughs> from a plane crash 
a coconut. Think about that. Don't be scared. A coconut. A coconut. And he just kept saying coconut over and over again. <laughs> You're like, Shut up. <laughs> I was like, nah. Now I'm thinking about like dying in a plane crash while holding a coconut. Like this isn't helping me yeah. <laughs> at all. But he was lovely, and I do like I do love humans out there that try to do that sort no, of thing. Like, I so I don't want to so much people who try and make me feel bad when I'm terrified or really anxious about something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you think I haven't thought of those same words? <laughs> <Yeah>. You know? <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I do like that the the impulse is kindness. So that's you know. no, that's so true. Yeah. Um, but the guy on, on this flight, the assassin, is not kind because he wants to murder not only a politician, but also his family. And so that's super sad that this is this mm-hmm. is the plot of the movie. Well, can we jump to the beginning and just take it um, from like early on? Because yeah. there are a couple notable things about how the movie is initially set up. Mm-hmm. All right. First of all, I have to point out the, the font of those credits is so bad. <laughs> Oh, it I don't even so remember it. It's like it's like the high tech typewriter font. Like that's the best oh. way I can think to describe it. Like we, it was the font they would use in like CSI when it first came out and yeah. twenty four. And yeah, I looked yeah. at it and I was I almost fell out of my chair. Like I could not believe how dated <laughs> it was. I haven't thought of that font in I, years. I'm gonna go back and and look at it. Okay. And then the other thing that's notable is that the movie is really. And I don't think it ever really finds a way to make this connection meaningful, but it wants us to think about Rachel McAdams' character, her full development, right? So she is an adult mm. woman, and we open with like her high school photos <laughs> and the knowledge that her childhood home is being remodeled, but her father insists on leaving her room untouched. Right, um, right. A piece of trivia I read was that we open with her high school photos, including her playing field hockey. That's a screenshot from Mean Girls. <laughs> no way. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, that's that's like a cheap, cheap move right there. Listen, Aww. this film seemed low budget. I buy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so Rachel McAdams' character in this film <laughs> was also into field hockey as mm-hmm. a... <laughs> a young girl what if she was what if this is the same character (laughs) (laughs) it very well could be she's like i was hit by a bus and that didn't take me down like i'm not (laughs) i'm not gonna let no assassin make me do something i don't know yeah make me do something (laughs) yeah well and the other thing too is that we learned that she's this like hyper competent um, hotel manager. So even though she's away, we learn later that she's actually on her way back from her grandmother's funeral. She gets a phone call from some like normal hotel employee named Cynthia. And Mm -hmm. this cracked me up for a couple reasons. So it opens with like, I guess someone's reservations are lost. The Taylors who are just like the two most insufferable characters in this movie. Right. And this woman who works at the hotel, she calls her name Cynthia and she talks like, all right, I'm going to do my impression of her on the phone. <laughs> okay. Knowing that Rachel McAdams' line in response is, Cynthia, uh, Cynthia, Cynthia, slow down. <laughs> she goes, hi, I'm so sorry to bother you right now. I know you're out. <laughs> or, I know you're away. She's like, slow down, slow down. Whoa, <laughs> like, whoa, it's okay. Yeah. I was like, was that talking quickly? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Well, that character, I mean, she's she's in a lot of other stuff as a minor character, but she's always like the kind of slightly annoying, like kind of daft, mm-hmm. you know, you know, typical blonde thing. 
thing. Sorry, uh, person. Whoa, not, this has not, not to tell great, people things. A great showing for our um, feminist ideals this episode. No, I'm so sorry. It's a pretty little thing. Oh, it's just a pretty little thing. Oh no, uh, I'm sorry. She was also in, um, getting on. She had like a short arc where she was like a private insurance company that was trying to help the geriatric ward scam the system by declaring more patients than they actually had or something and so she was mm. playing this like deeply unethical like slimy person it's funny oh. yeah okay interesting okay so what is rachel mcadams character's name by the way what is i was really hoping you were gonna know oh shit all right I'm i normally right have now. this down i know i rely on you for this but... because you know i'm not gonna remember yeah and nothing's shit, even coming shit. to mind like, like Lauren, maybe? S- Lisa. Lisa. Lisa Reiser. Okay. All right. So Lisa. Um, she's, you know, in the airport and... Well, the other thing that's... She- oh, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, no, go ahead. Yeah. What are you going to say? Oh, just to really quickly finish up. So she solves this problem over the phone, long distance, on how to please these customers. And then she reminds Cynthia, she says, remember that the head of Homeland Security is coming, so make sure to have their room ready and have some... <laughs> Crystal on ice? Yes, like a like, rapper. I know, I was like, Crystal on ice? For the head yeah. of like, Homeland Security? He's living it up, That was yo. strange to me. <laughs> and then she goes yeah. from that, because she has to then, she's call waiting, so she picks it up, and her dad, Brian Cox, is on the line. And we find out he's remodeling the home. Also, like, he's recently been divorced from her mom. And so there's this other weirdly, weirdly, like, infantilizing thing where... She's both like an adult woman who's also being framed as like a child of divorce or something. And this, right. there's like a weird sort of tension there where it's it's like her. Well, yeah, go ahead. And she says later, and so we learn that something traumatic has happened to her mm-hmm. in her past. Um, and but she says later um, to Jackson, the assassin, um, like, "Don't ask me if I'm okay. Like, you sound like my father. Like, I'm so sick of people saying, are you all right? Yeah. You know, are you fine?'" Um, and so, like, there really is development there with, like, her character being, like, you know, no, I'm not just this kind of, like, you know, passive female who's just, like, you know, been victimized and is going to continue being victimized, right? Yeah. Um, so there is that. And yeah. she's very much, like, a Sydney Prescott character in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. and I have to say, like, Rachel McAdams, I think, is really great in this. Like, she has, like, I think one of the reasons, like, I ne- I've never really seen any of her romantic comedies i guess only like previews or like scenes on tv or something but i never really buy her in those roles that she's frequently typecast in where she has to play this like ditzy kind of clumsy person who's like trying to get trying to like do a good job at her job blah 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 because she mm-hmm. does have these very like alert eyes right like she always seems like she's taking yeah. things in and studying things and she just seems so intelligent that like i don't buy her usually <laughs> As just do you this. think that's because of Mean Girls? That like, do you think that like her? Because that was like you know her like stepping out role yeah. basically, and it was such a like you know hilarious movie. It was so like just defining, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe like we tend to read Rachel McAdams through her through the lens of you know Mean Girls maybe <laughs> as like this cunning villain type. Oh, I don't think of her as like villainous, like because she's so she's really like warm in this movie, but 
true. Just yeah. That, yeah. I just, I, I totally buy like that. She is someone who has a lot of ingenuity because most of the movies her sitting in a plane seat, looking around and trying to think of different ways she might use objects within reach to do something, affect something. Sure. Okay. I see. I, I feel you. Okay. But um, <laughs> can I say one more thing about the Homeland Security guy? Oh I wrote God. this down because <laughs> just kidding. it is <laughs> she's sitting in the airport and this is supposed to be like the foreshadowing is that the news is playing and the reporter saying the head of Hamlin security made his first address that sent quote shockwaves through the mm-hmm. world. This is his <laughs> this is his soundbite verb. I wrote it down verbatim. Okay. This is it. I don't discriminate. I communicate. Just not always with a kind word. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in diplomacy. It can work. But first, you have to have their attention. Do I have your attention? Thank you. (laughs) What does that mean? I have no idea. And how could that possibly send shockwaves? Yeah, no, I I don't know. Um, I also thought that was like a lame-ass moment where I was like, what is that even supposed to like... (laughs) Like, what? Who is that anchoring? You know, like, who is that right. making really upset? Like, oh, he asked me for my attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like. We need to stop this man. He's going rogue. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that whole thing, like that whole setup, I was just like, ugh. Okay. I like, I don't even care about him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that, so like, you know, later we learned that he has his family, young children with them in the room. So. If they, if he were to be assassinated, they would be too. Like that makes you a little bit more, you know, caring about it. Yeah. But um, you know, at first I was like, eh, just let him, let him die. <laughs> That's such a great point. I wonder if like they had to add the family in a second round of revisions to be like, well, is anyone actually attached to this guy? <laughs> well, actually, though, um, Lisa even says like, like she learns that his family is with him. And becomes even more resolved yeah, right. to to fight against this, um, you know, this murder, right? So um, that could that really could be like the main factor is that there's like you know a blonde haired, blue eyed little boy there. That's that's it, right? <laughs> yeah, These children that makes sense. they ruin everything. Ugh. Yeah, gosh. Otherwise, she's like, is his family there? And he's like, no. And she just makes the call. She's like, are we good here? Great. Yeah. Can I go back to my book, Dr. Phil? Also, did you notice? Yes, the book is by Dr. Phil. Why is that so important? But um, it's hilarious, right? That like she's carrying around this book that um, her father has given her. It's by Dr. Phil. So it's presumably something like getting over past trauma or mm-hmm. something like that, like some sort of self-help thing. Yeah. But this like annoying old lady is like, oh, I like that book. And she <laughs> she gives her the book. And later on, the old lady comes up to her and is like, oh, like, I can't read this book. <laughs> She's like, there's too many quizzes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, like, Lisa's like, well, here, let me, like, mark my favorite part of the, like, right. it just got so weird and convoluted that a Dr. Phil self-help book was like this kind of plot ob- like plot I know. point or this like major object. It's like Bruno that- Latour's essay on the handkerchief in Othello. <laughs> like this, yeah. this organizing object that brings everyone together. It's like right. Dr. Phil airport hardback. Mm-hmm. 
Which I love. Like, I love that, you know, in Shakespeare's day, it's like this really symbolic handkerchief, you know, made of, like, virgins' um, heartstrings. And today, our, you know, like, (laughs) our object is Dr. Phil self-help book. It also made me think of, um, so, like, she makes an offhand comment that her dad is always sending her these books. So I had a friend in high school, she was a big reader, and when her aunt learned that she was, you know, she was like, oh, she's getting older and she's really getting into reading, her aunt promised that every time she read a book, she'd send it to her to read next. Mm-hmm. What this actually meant was that, like, every two weeks, she would receive another Danielle Steele novel from her aunt. Yes! <laughs> it's just that, like, stacks of them would be like, I don't know how to tell her, I don't want these books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then she has to, like, report back, right? Like, yeah, she right. have like, to, like, oh, add a family event and be bad. like, oh, this was great. Yeah. No. Ugh, but actually, gross. Danielle Steele is maybe a good transition because... What is interesting about this movie is that in the same way in which Scream opens with this big twist, right, that Drew Barrymore is, in fact, not the main character, this movie attempts to open with a twist that doesn't really... It's not a twist. Well, no. it is, because it opens in a way that makes you think that we are watching a romantic comedy, except that there are little things that give it away. So, I never for once <laughs> I know, I didn't was, either. I had also seen the trailer like, that ruins it, but I just mean that, yeah. like... I think the movie wants us to think that, oh, this is like an overworked young woman who is a little clumsy, like someone spills their coffee on her and she's unlucky in love and maybe she's going to meet the right guy now. And You don't think that the movie is trying to like, I don't know, do a bait no, and switch I think at all? It, no, I think it is. Just, just as I think that at the very end, it's trying to instill some like really like, lame-ass humor at the very end of the movie. Like, when, after, like, the bomb goes off and Cynthia's like, well, I think I, you know, besides the bomb going oh, yeah. off, everything went okay. I love that like, impression. So, like, it's it's trying to do, like, yeah. certain things like that. But, no, I don't think that, like, it didn't convince me for a second that, like, you know, like, oh, this handsome stranger, and I already told you, I think that he's not handsome. I think he's creepy. He's too um, beautiful to be handsome. Is that what you said? He's too beautiful. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, you got to have like a scar, or, like just like like a wonk something on you, okay. right? Like otherwise, it's just it's no good. Um, it's like uncanny valley. Yeah, it's like CGI can't look too real, and humans can't look too art- artificial. Right, exactly, exactly. Which is why, like, I think I'm the most beautiful human out there because I have a ton of freckles and it makes me really unique. <laughs> Just kidding. That was a long setup to to um, prove to everyone logically that you are the most beautiful yeah. person. Yeah, but you know exactly. What? Well done. Yeah, I mean that was my goal with this whole podcast. <laughs> You're like, like I'm playing right, the long game. <laughs> season four, I will lay out my arguments. You're like suffering for- through Judy Bloom, and you're like, it'll be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep on going, Katie. Yeah. The world will know. The world will know. Uh, oh shit! The, um. the, I guess like the pieces I would say the movie does try to layer in to make us think that maybe they're gonna meet and fall in love. Is that like the two of them both help to like disarm this really irate guy at the airport who's really pissed off because his flight's been delayed and then he helps her like when she gets the coffee spilled on her and then he invites her to like come have Tex-Mex with her and then they do this weird thing where he insists on guessing what she likes to drink and then yeah which was so cheesy and like oh like with grapefruit like oh yeah I wrote the line be 
more like sexist at that moment. It was yeah. that if was I were her, up, yeah. Because I would have been like whiskey neat, you know, or yeah. something like. Well, but she, he was just like sea breeze, bay breeze, like some shit. Yeah, where he Sorry. goes like, no, I think you're totally right because like even the thing was so stupid. He's like, oh, I've got I I've got a good handle on you. You uh, you wouldn't get this drink because it's too typical, and you wouldn't get this one because. And I was like, I feel like a bay breeze is pretty fucking typical. Like that's a yeah. base, that's as basic as they come. But he goes, yeah. the simplicity of the grapefruit or the complexity of a pineapple. And I was uh. like, they're both just like highly acidic citrus fruits. Like, I don't know that like one is simple and the other is complex. <laughs> like, I on really, a scale, they're gonna fall pretty close together. Yeah, I I wanted to punch him in the nuts right then. Yeah, no, um, and I love that you had that reaction though because I think this speaks to sort of like how the movie has aged or what it means to watch this movie in 2018 because. I think in a 2005 register, this looked like the pieces of a romantic comedy. But then when you sure, like tally yeah. them up, it looks like a like a study, like a scene study of like a woman like very politely having to engage with like a kind of creepy, aggressive guy. Yeah. Like he yeah. insists on guessing a drink. He keeps trying to decide if she needs a different drink. He makes like creepy jokes about having killed his parents. He jokes about stalking. He keeps turning things into these really condescending guessing games where he's like, guess, no guess, no guess, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, ugh, he's the super creeper. So then they get on the plane, right? Mm-hmm. Like the plane is, has been, um, what's the word? Like, uh, it's, a, it's lifted up. La- <laughs> well, it's like, it's, it's been cleared. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> cleared for takeoff because the weather is bad. It's, you know, et cetera. And of course, She's sitting right next to him. And so, again, it's that romantic comedy element that you're talking about. Like, oh, what a coincidence, yeah, right? right? Um, and so they take off. She's scared, right? Like, And there's bad turbulence as they take off. Um, but he's trying to have a conversation with her. He's trying to distract her, like my British coconut man, um, <laughs> while they take off. And... Um, she, I, so I don't even remember, Sam, you're going to have to correct me perhaps on how they, they eventually get around to like what they do, right? Like how they, like what their jobs are. And he says straight out, like, I'm an assassin. No, no. He says, I'm in management. And she's like, what do you mean? And he's being coy. She's like, all right, fine. Don't tell me. And then she's like, no, really? What, what do you do? And he's like, I've already told you. And she's like, all right, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. And then when they're taking off, she's so freaked out that he's asking her questions about her life. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you're... She, I, she says something like, oh, you're really good at this. You should do something like this. And he's like, well, actually, in my job is all about you right now. So, like, her, oh, him asking it. her the questions was also, like, I don't know, some entree yeah. into, like, eventually, like, telling her what needs to be done. I just remember... So, I don't, like, quite remember exactly what happened. I just remember, like, the transition was not smooth. It was not like, no. you know, like leading her gently into this, like, you know, feeling of security and then being like, you know, very slowly like, oh, by the way, you know, like actually what I'm doing is like, it was like abrupt. He was just yeah, like. Yeah, it's abrupt like betrayal. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, like kill your dad if you don't do what I'm I gonna say. I'm going to kill your dad. No, I actually yeah. thought it was effective because I thought maybe it is just my own, our shared fear of flying, but. I was freaked out during that takeoff scene, and when he's asking her those questions, like, I totally forgot what the movie was about. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I did find myself like lulled and very distracted in the same way she is in that scene. And then when he kind of reveals who he is, I'm like, oh, right. Um, so I don't know. I kind of like that twist there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mileage may vary. Agree to disagree. It's, yeah. Okay. Well, let's get to like the flight itself. Okay. So uh, what's what happens? So. <laughs> I mean, you said this earlier, but he says basically that head of Homeland Security is coming to the hotel, change his room, and we won't kill your father, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, he has a family. And he says to her, whatever female-driven, emotion-based dilemma you're dealing with, you have my sympathy, but we need to use my male-based, logic-driven thinking. And like, okay. Gross. Yeah, it's gross, gross, but it also like, that felt very lazy on the part of the screenwriter. To be like, isn't he the worst? He thinks women are emotional. Where it's just like, the <laughs> I thought it became like a little too silly. The way this is like, this is a real men are from Mars, women are from Venus kind of movie. Am I right? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And it just felt like it became sort of like tokenizing of her. Where it's like, oh, she has to like, <laughs> I don't know. It kept reducing her to like, I mean, this as much as like they wanted to celebrate her as this like really complex. Um, innovative like character with great ingenuity like it kept just being like she's a woman you know and because <laughs> yeah. they couldn't stop like harping on this sort of silly like thematic competition between the two of them right right oh yeah i hated that moment i think i like paused the movie right then and i was like, <laughs> like yeah. i gotta take a walk <laughs> i've gotta get a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> throw back some whiskey yes but it did occur to me that there is a way in which like you could make the case, given that it sort of starts as a romantic comedy and then transitions into this, let's say that that romantic comedy is just there as a twist, but let's say that it is really more structurally important. You could do a reading which you say, like, the horror of this movie is the way in which, like, the clumsy female rom-com trope becomes, like, a prison for a really competent woman, right? And this is about her, like, kind of breaking... This is about the character breaking out of all of these um, situations in which people keep trying to, like make decisions on her behalf. Uh, This is also Rachel McAdams' opportunity to break out of, like, a string of romantic comedy she's been doing. And this is also, like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you're, like... I keep going. Yeah, I'm I'm listening. No, no, please. Well, I was just going to... You know, like, I think that you're trying to redeem this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think you're trying really hard. (laughs) It's fun to just, like, contort it a little bit and see what you can come up with. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm following you. I don't agree with you, but I'm following you. So I'm just, I wanted to tease you a bit about. As um, you should. And. And I'm not, and I'm not disagreeing with you on any sort of like intellectual base at all, right? Like, yes, I think that is a valid reading of the movie. I just don't think that it actually achieves that. Like, yeah. No matter what um, kind of, you know, kind of, I don't know, argument you want to put on it, it's it's still, at least aesthetically, at least the way that it comes across to me, it doesn't actually like give me any sort of message like that. It doesn't give me any sort of like. Hope. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, the better reading then is to think about this in terms of Wes Craven, that, like, he's mm. getting to do a romantic comedy that inevitably has to become a horror movie. And, like, there is <laughs> yeah. this just sort of, like, thudding disappointment when it sort of all just falls into place and sort of predictably plays out. Right. right. Like, there seems to be, like, yeah. the movie itself just seems disappointed with where it goes in a sense. <laughs> 
And and Crave is just like, oh, I did it again. He's he's yeah, done like, the Britney Spears. He, he couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't get funded to do like a romantic comedy project, so he had to stage a short romantic comedy in his horror movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, that I buy. That okay, I good. Like. Okay. <laughs> And so basically, we can even jump if you want past the, like, she tries all these different ways to, like, outsmart him. Like, the phones die while she's on the phone talking to Cynthia. And so she pretends to continue having a conversation with Cynthia and tells her to change the rooms. But he catches on. She tries to write a message in the Dr. Phil book, but he steals it back from the old woman. And then... She, she tries to write a message in the bathroom yeah. with soap, Ew, that but then he attacks gross. her. And then he like pretends he plays it off as though they were just having like a quickie in the bathroom. And all the women, like flight Ugh. attendants, get really like judgmental of her in a way that was yeah. Like, I'm I'm disappointed in all of you. <laughs> well, and he's like he's already knocked her out and like told the flight attendant that she's like a drunken yeah. nervous wreck basically yeah. and so he's like she's had a tough day you know so like she's already like cast as unstable and yeah. which is really you know like really unfair and then she's everything she does basically he comes back with like a oh well she's having issues kind of thing yeah it's always her being too emotional i guess in one sense yeah yeah exactly Ugh. And the yeah. other thing, too, that's interesting, or it's not interesting at all, I just read this as trivia, is that when he throws her against the wall in the bathroom, he missed mm-hmm. his mark and accidentally threw her into something where she hit her head and was knocked out. Oh, dang. So, like, <laughs> she was also knocked out in real life while filming this film. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Oh. Yeah, that is insane. Um, and okay, basically, so... like the. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was, I'm... I no, you do it. You do it. No, I was just going to talk about that pencil or pen. So, oh yes, the pen. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, she. How does she even steal it though? I don't remember. She like pretends to fall when she's walking back from the bathroom. I think, oh, and then right. she like grabs it. Yes, very clever. Um, so she's like she's made the call to move the politician mm-hmm. at this point, right? Um. So she has had to, she's been forced to um, move him and his family to a different room. And the plane lands. She has stolen a pen. And right as it lands, she just stabs him with the pen in the throat, the which throat. is awesome. Yeah. Like, it's the coolest moment in the movie. It was a real huzzah moment. <laughs> but do you want yes. to talk about it, too? Because that's also the moment leading up to it is when we finally find out what happened to her. Oh, right. That's right. Um, So he is, I guess they're just biding time now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she's made the call, and he's, like, still being super creepy. Um, And he notices a scar on her, like, upper breast, basically. Um, And what happened was that she was raped, and while she was raped, a knife was held to her throat. Um, And as she's, you know, kind of, she's recounting that moment not in like vivid detail but she's telling what happened and she says you know the one thing that I told myself after that and um what does he say he like he was like that it was beyond your control yes and then the plane lands and she goes no that it would never happen again so it's like this badass moment Mm -hmm. and then she stabs him um in the throat unfortunately does not kill him um, he's just like his larynx is pierced or something. But <laughs> his larynx is pierced. I don't know, like some medical shit. But he's he's actually like 
not hurt that bad. <laughs> I want to yell that one time. My larynx is pierced. <laughs> larynx. Um, but it does give her like a head start to get out of the plane and to run like through the terminal. Yes. Also, why does um, no one ask her if she's... I mean, I know she has a pet peeve about people asking her if she's okay, but she at one point runs, just makes it onto an air tram, and the doors close, and he bangs on the walls of the doors and stares at her with this menacing look, and no one says anything. No. No one's like, I mean, is he threatening you, <laughs> you know, or anything? I mean, would would you at that point? Yes. I'd be like, there's a crazy guy with a pen I'd sticking I'd be like, are you okay? <laughs> I would just be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on reading my newspaper. I am, I am not getting into this. <laughs> um, no, but you're right. But then she, so she steals a car. She gets out of the airport. She steals a car. Mm-hmm. She races to the hotel. Um, Wait, is she racing gets, to the hotel? She's racing home. No, I she's think. going home. That's right. Sorry, but in the car, she calls. Mm-hmm. Cynthia? She calls Cynthia. Please do your Cynthia impression again. Oh my god, like, we're gonna get it. I can't do it. I, I forget what it was. Like, it sounds like gonna... a turkey. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm gonna get him out of the hotel room. Um, I don't even remember what I did. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry um, I failed she's you. She's like, but you just told me to put them in the room. And she's like, Cynthia, yeah. just do it. Um, meanwhile, we've you watched these. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that was a real question I had, though. Was she a stupid bitch? No, JK. Uh, my question was, <laughs> why Like, why does there have to... Why can there only be one competent woman in this movie? Like, right. why does Cynthia... Why does, like, Cynthia have to be incompetent because Rachel McAdams is competent? You know what I mean? I know. That was so- or even the old woman who's just like, oh, I, I can't understand the Dr. Phil book. You know? <laughs> Quizzes are hard. What is that shit? Yeah. <laughs> but meanwhile, um, we have this, like, fishing boat out on the water and seemingly innocuous until they <laughs> okay i have a lot of questions about how they were able to hook this crate with a fishing rod but they are able to reel in a crate that's already in the water that has a <laughs> rocket launcher in it yes as as one does as one does you put a rocket launcher in the bottom of the ocean and then you you find it at the moment that you need it exactly just after the police uh, leave yes no, I can't explain that, Sam. I don't know that shit. I don't know why they... I don't know how they got one. But it really sets um, the clock ticking. Yeah. So they've got a rocket launcher, and they're aiming it right at that particular room that the politician and his family have been moved into. But because Cynthia's been forewarned, everyone's running out towards the elevator, and they all survive. Like, the, the room itself is destroyed, the hotel is battered, but... Every human survives that yeah. rocket launch, right? Mm-hmm. And, it was and a, this... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, this This then leads into um, everything's fine at the hotel. There's no longer a crisis there, but we've got to go back to Lisa and making sure her father's okay, and that's the final battle scene. Yeah. And it was at this point that I, I wrote, like, we are so far from Last House on the left. Yeah, you that's know, like, true. This is the glossiest, like attempt at like a high octane action movie at this point where like there is like the threat of violence feels so inconsequential at this point it's like even as spectacle it's so kind of weak like that explosion it's like weird there's no kind of true horror there's no real social commentary you know in that way that movie was about the sort of like 
nihilism of the late 60s early 70s turning into just like gross violence and like mm-hmm. it was Manson-esque in a lot of ways where this just is so cotton candy yeah yeah do you think it's just like the movie itself exhibiting like some sort of exhaustion of like you know we've been so like inner we've been so like inside of this tiny plane and we're gonna do this like last kind of big shebang thing but it's it's like it can't i don't know it can't like actually be effective yeah i mean it's interesting that's a great question because this is only four years after 9-11 right and this is a movie that takes place largely on a plane involving a terrorist and then Mm -hmm. another group of terrorists with like rockets and missiles Right. right like so it's not as though, and it's like politically fraught. So it's not as though there is no way to connect this to our present moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a great I, question. I don't know. Like, I just, I, I honestly, like Sam, I was, <laughs> don't make fun of me, but I was doing a crossword puzzle as I was <laughs> watching this film. Was it in the back and, of your Dr. Phil book? Yes, it was. <laughs> And, like, during that fight scene, I was just like, I'm just, the crossword puzzle's more compelling right now than this, like, whole, you know, 15, and, like, it's a solid, like, 10 minutes of uh, him and her just being like, eh, eh, Oh, running around your house? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like, eh, so, run away, this is run a- away, sword. Yeah. I don't know. Sword? <laughs> was there a sword? No. I don't know. She had a lacrosse, or a field hockey stick. Oh, the field hockey. Yeah. Oh, it all comes back. Yeah, to so this is like okay. the full circle because she even says uh, something like she pulls up to her home just in time to see this assassin sneaking up to the front door, going in to kill her father. So she crashes her car into the front door to kill him. Mm-hmm. And she says, Clever. she's like, not in my house. <laughs> and so we go, OK, so the movie opened with the father saying he's renovating the house. He's leaving her room untouched. And she's like, please, like renovate the room, remodel it, turn it into office. Like, I don't care. It's not my home anymore. And it ends with her being reclaiming this home. Right. But how is that meaningful? And what does that have to do with her arc? Like, it's... It didn't really make any sense. No. It made... No. Yeah. That said, I wrote in my notes, and so we had complete opposite reactions to this. I wrote, I could watch her throw home goods objects at Cillian Murphy all day. Because she's (laughs) just like... It's sentiments of her throwing, like, vases and dining room chairs at him. Yeah. (laughs) And it was really entertaining. (laughs) Okay. I... Fair enough. But, okay. This... Yeah. I... Maybe it's just like my disinclination for action scenes in general, mm-hmm. right? Like I, any superhero movie, like the last fifteen minutes of Ugh, it, I just I check yeah, out. Yeah. You know, the worst. So maybe it's just, um, yeah. Maybe I'm exhausted at that point because of my like, you know, m- modern media needing constant kind of like input type of thing i can't like sit through a movie even <laughs> dude and, i have like, that problem especially too. especially action movies i'm like no nah, i'm gonna go back to my crossword i'm constantly That's just cool. pulling up random shit i don't even care about on the internet when i watch movies i'm oh, like yeah. let me just take some time to just look at my amazon wish list like not gonna <laughs> buy anything i'm just gonna stare at these things upcoming ps4 games yeah exactly yeah <laughs> But so we do get a reversal, right? Because then he's so angry that... I should say two things. One thing I did think about was that we do get... I think you're right that it's not terribly exciting. I did find myself invested in her character. 
but um, she does one thing that we never see Scream characters do, and that they're like, mm. she openly fights back against him. So she's not just sort of like throwing things at him to get away. She gets to a point where she like pulls out her field hockey stick and is ready to like hunt him down. Yeah. And that is like I mean, a cool reversal, and I wish they had done more with it. Nev Campbell's character sometimes does that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. But not as much. You're right. And there's a sort of reversal, but again, I feel like this felt very like lightweight, where he's getting so frustrated that he's doing stupid things, and then she's like, how's your male-driven fact-based logic now? And she's <laughs> yeah. pointing out that he's being emotional and irrational, but, <clears throat> you know, I don't know. Did that that's, land at all with you? Line. What? Did that land with you? Uh, it was, I mean, it was good. It was fine, I guess. I'm just thinking, I'm sorry, I'm like a little distracted because I'm thinking like back to my earlier like story about yelling at a bird and about the <laughs> fact that like, I couldn't come up with it. I like in that moment, I would just be like, hey, you man. Hey, you man. Like I wouldn't even say anything like this is my house or like how's your male driven fact face, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I don't have those just movie be like, lines. Assassin. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you assassin. <laughs> Dill hole. You know, like it would just be stupid nonsense. And so I'm sorry. Like, I, <laughs> I just like am distracted because I'm like ashamed of myself right now. Because <laughs> I don't have those one liners, yo. I don't have them. I need them. Okay. Well, then maybe that would landed better than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the only other question I have, so basically, it did frustrate me too that eventually he does outmaneuver her so that she falls down the stairs and is trying to get up, except that he has a knife and he's going to stab her, right? Mm-hmm. And then Brian Cox shoots him and kills him. So, like, she doesn't yeah. get the final kill, which is sort of disappointing. Right. right. Daddy saves the day. Yeah. Oh, when you put it like that, you're right. Like,. It's gross. And with the fact that she's reclaiming the house, so she's, like, being ushered back into this domestic space, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, you do get the sense, though, so she goes back to the hotel after this whole <laughs> fiasco, and um, she's talking to Cynthia, right? And so you do get the sense that she no longer is going to put up with bullshit because the annoying couple... <laughs> The very beginning of the movie, who were complaining yeah. about their room or whatever, um, uh, Lisa is just like, you can shove that up your ass, you know. So there is a sense of, <laughs> you know, like, and that's again though, that's like where the like silly humor started to come through, and I was like, what is this, you know, like this, this is supposed to be a psychological thriller, and then Cynthia is like, oh my god, and the like crappy couple, you know, Lisa's just like. Shove it up your ass, and Cynthia's like, "I'm so proud of you." And that's I the love movie. The idea of you being like watching the movie, and going, "What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> the very end. I looked uh, up from my crossword puzzle. And I went, yeah. What is this? <laughs> going back to my crossword. What's a four-letter word uh, for mix-up? I don't know. <laughs> also, did Brian Cox look younger to you in this movie? Or maybe he yeah. like lost weight or dyed his hair or something, but he's always lo- he always looks so old in every movie I've ever seen him in, and suddenly he just looked like weirdly youthful. He looked very dad like. I mean, he was like, yeah, he looked dad like. Okay. Dadish. Well, maybe he always looks grandfatherish to me then. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Maybe he did look younger. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. Cool. So Sam gives Red Eye like you want to say like. 
out of five, like you give it like a three out of five? Yeah, I give it three stars. Three stars? I give it negative one star. (laughs) But I did think that it was just like it occurred to me as I was watching that because the screenplay itself is so threadbare and the direction is largely pedestrian like this is another movie in which like Wes Craven does not bother showing off at all or really Mm -hmm. stylizing the film because of that so much depends on the success of the performances and based on how someone chose to play these roles like this movie could have been really really bad yeah yeah that's true well I'm (sighs) I'm gonna say for the rest of our podcasting lives, we have to have a conversation before we do any more plane movies. That's that's the new rule. <laughs> I mean, we can do them, but we're just going to have to have like a little bit of counseling beforehand. Okay? Sure. Make sure yeah. uh, you need time to go ahead and purchase a paper bag. Right. Go yeah, get I hypnotized get again. You never know. I might that's need right. To... You did You did consult a hypnotist, right? Before a major <laughs> flight? <laughs> yeah. It didn't work. Um, did you feel hypnotized like... in the moment? I did, yeah. I'm Whoa. apparently very susceptible to hip, uh, hypnosis. Really? Which is good. Yeah. Because they do this, like, test before they even, like, before you even pay any money, they're like, we have to make sure that you're actually susceptible because some humans aren't. Um and, like, I laid in the chair and I was, like, immediately hypnotized. <laughs> Whoa. I want to get hypnotized. Yeah. It was... I don't I don't remember anything, but they said I was good at it, so... Nice. <laughs> Wait. Good at it or really bad at it? I don't know. Yeah. Because... <laughs> I don't know if you can consider that, like, a You're skill. Like, apt or weak? I don't know. <laughs> Weak-willed. Very, very yeah. susceptible to other influences. Um... Well, anyways, we're almost done, though, with our with our Craven season. Well, the last thing I'll say about this to wrap up Red Eye, unless you have anything else to say, is just nothing. that... <laughs> nothing. <laughs> is that its worldwide gross was just... It was made for $28 million. Worldwide gross was just under $100 million. So it not, was a success. Not bad. Not too shabby. Not too yeah, shabby. Yeah, so in a lot of ways, this did feel like um, Wes Craven um, getting his mojo back, at least public perception, giving the critical reception, giving the box office receipts after Scream 3 and after um, Cursed. Fair. I'm okay. so curious. I kind of want to watch Cursed now, even though Me it's too. supposed to be so bad. Yeah. But I kind of want to know how bad, you know? Yeah, maybe. Okay, I'm going to watch it and we'll report back for our last Craven episode, which is next time. Yeah, so next time we're going to talk about Scream 4 principally, but we'll touch on just sort of the end of his career in general. So Paris Jetem, you can touch on Cursed, and I can't remember if he does anything else. You're going to give us a crash course on the MTV Scream yes, series? Yes, I watched all of it. and It's, it's so not good. canon, right? Because he's not actually involved. So it's right. about like how people are spinning off the Scream into like a new mythology. Right, exactly. And they're like, how can we make a slasher movie a series? And like they actually say that in the series. They're like, you can't really have like another season of a slasher because it's a slasher. And it's it's great. They do it. They pull it off. It's good. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. I'm going right, to well, um, do you have any obsessions, though, right now, besides besides Craven and staying out all night and being a mm. cool kid? And being so tired. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Did my energy boost at all? I'm really sorry if my energy it was did. raining yeah. today. Oh, good. No, no. All right. You were good. You were, you were great. Every, I, this, I feel this way at the end of every episode. I'm like, oh, I bet I brought it down. And then I was like, I better make like an apology and a promise that next week will be different. <laughs> but then I'm like, don't promise things you can't deliver. <laughs> Dude, last, last episode... 
I think you literally had to cut like me saying penis bulge out because I like oh, just kept two episodes ago. It. Yeah, that mean I could have I had like essentially B roll of you just saying penis bulge fifteen <laughs> times. So it's all good. We yeah yeah. <laughs> oh my god! The other thing I meant to tell you, the shot where. Um, Killian Murphy accidentally knocks out Rachel McAdams by throwing her into the wall. Mm-hmm. They put that in the gag reel. What? Isn't that fucked up? That is really okay, messed up. Okay, this is unsubstantiated. Up. I read that in IMDb trivia, so I haven't looked it up, but I'm going to. Maybe yeah. I'll link to it in show notes. Does he like knock around and then he's like, oh, oh, oh. Everyone's like laughing. The camera sort of like goes all over the place because the camera guy can't control himself. And like real blood is like trickling out <laughs> oh, of her no. mouth. God, it's oh awful. God, that's upsetting. That's really messed up. Um, my obsession is, um, it's nothing new, but it's just, um, is uh, the NBC show The Good Place. Oh, yeah? I love it so much. I started watching it maybe um, when I first moved here, actually. It was just came on Netflix. I started watching I love it. And they're almost done with the second season. And this, um, I just watched the penultimate episode. And it was just so... It was really funny, but also really just beautiful. And it was really moving and great. And it just reminded me just that this show is really kind of special and has just done so many things that are so smart and sophisticated and really um, just human. Like, it's such a smart intellectual show, but it also is like a really moving and funny and relatable and warm show. And I think it's just really uh, this great, great sitcom. And I really um, encourage uh, people to watch it. Cool. Okay. Have you seen it at all? No. Yeah. Oh my god, it's on Netflix. I made my sister and brother-in-law watch a couple episodes. I made my friend watch a couple episodes the other day. So it's just been on my mind. Okay. What about you? So uh, also a Netflix show. Um, I'm Mm. really into. uh, Well, I just like I binge watched it um, all on Friday. Uh, The show called The End of the Effing World. (laughs) Have you heard of this? Yeah, you told me about it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I did tell you about this. Dude, it is so, yeah. <laughs> so good. Like, I have heard about it. Yeah, from you. So it's 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 short. Like, the, there's only, like, eight <laughs> episodes. They're 20 minutes long. But the premise is these two young kids, it's set in England, and they're, they're both, like, everyone's British. Um, and um, <laughs> they're on a plane, and this guy's like, coconuts, coconut. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so anyways, they're they're... In England, and this kid is a psychopath or a sociopath, and he decides to pretend to be in love with this girl so that he can kill her, and they run away together. Um, but mm-hmm. things get much, much, much more interesting, and it's just like a beautiful show because it captures like all of the kind of insecurities about being young, um, at being at the threshold of adulthood, at you know having shitty parents, at having you know adults that are that you learn very painfully or not as reliable as you thought they were. Um, all sorts of things are going on, and it's just like like each episode is just like a work of art. Is all I can say. It's just. Oh, interesting. It's really good. It's good. It is good, <laughs> Sam. So check it Are out. Are you doing a, a British, like a real thick British review? I I don't know what I was doing just now. I like I don't know what accent that was, but it was <laughs> it was good. And that's all I have to awesome. say about that. I I will say I watched the first two episodes, and I couldn't decide if I wanted to keep watching. <gasps> but I did read that it gets stronger as it goes. Yes. Keep keep doing it. Because it was so dark. It is dark. Yeah. It was tough. They don't you don't they don't immediately give you much to hold on to in terms of like stuff to 
relate to or people to invest in because like everyone is initially just so off-putting <laughs> it's just keep going just keep it keep keep right. at it you'll you'll like it keep at um, it yeah all right you know who else should keep at it billy zane billy zane you keep going i mean i guess you know never say never right it's not yeah. over until the fat lady sings right yeah maybe, and billy zane yeah maybe. we know you're out there is, we know is, you're listening. We've had a Meconnaissance. We've had a Dernaissance. Are we due for a Zanaissance? <laughs> Zanaissance. I don't know. That sounds pretty <laughs> zany to me. Uh, <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> I think we should end there. <laughs> like forever. We're, yeah, we're done. <laughs> we yeah. can't have this podcast anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. JK, I'm we're going to be back next week. We're going to wrap up. Um, scream or wrap up Wes Craven and then Katie you're going to tell us next week what we're doing next season yes I'm doing a big reveal there's going to be balloons Can't and wait. streamers you're going to you're going to um, come all over the place it's going to be so exciting yeah like you won't see any of these but we're going to tell you about the <laughs> yeah. balloons and streamers and you'll just believe us that they're and there the coming. <laughs> sorry yeah and the coming <laughs> and we in turn will believe that you're coming so. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> okay Deal. That's a good spot. I'm hitting stop. <laughs> All and... right. See you next week.